Fauna, I forgot to put makeup on this morning. I'm not a real person. I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm Fonda. I'm Colleen. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Supported, supported, supported. I always want to add like Monster Truck reverb on on that. Uh, Excellent reverb because we're all recording in ad hoc, weird ass circumstances. <laughs> that's pandemic, baby. Well, well, Paul, um, y- well, you and I have done this for a long time together, but of course, Colleen has been a, a guest many times on the podcast before, haven't you, dear? Indeed, I have. Usually I get to come watch operas with you, but there are no operas. Yes. When so. there's when there's a play about makeup, we come and ask you. <laughs> That's come the closest to... <laughs> we can get. So we saw The Look by Northern Light Theatre. That was pre- an online presentation that we're all going to review for you. But first, I think we're going to get to our sponsors. Paul, how about you take it away with the first one? You got it. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Searching for Izena, a special nine-part podcast series chronicling the wildly incomplete stories of female leadership at Edmonton City Hall over the last century. Co-host Stacey Bratzel shares more about what to expect from the podcast here. On December 12th, 1921, Edmontonians went to the polls and made history. At the time, Edmonton was just a tiny place on the map, comprised of just 59,000 people and still reeling from the devastating aftermath of a world war and a global pandemic. During that election, a woman the press described as a housewife received 3,341 votes and became our city's very first female councillor. Her name? Izena Ross. Join me, Stacey Brotzel, and my co-host, Kim Ann Wilson, on January 19th when we launch Searching for Izena, Unwomanly Stories of Female Leadership at Edmonton City Hall. Find Searching for Izena on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head to searchingforizena.com. We're also brought to you this week by BGC Biggs. BGC Biggs, that's Boys and Girls Clubs, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Edmonton and Area. That's a big acronym for you. Is looking for volunteers like you. Families that have needed help need it now more than ever. And with BGC Biggs, volunteers have the power to change the courses of young people's lives across our community during the pandemic and beyond. Dedicating your time to the life of a child or youth makes an impact that goes far beyond Zoom calls, video game battles, or tutoring sessions. Explore how you can get involved and watch our community change one life at a time. There is currently a need for virtual mentors, tutors, and in-person volunteers to be big brothers or sisters in the Edmonton area. Join BGC Biggs for a virtual coffee in one of their online open houses to learn about volunteering and get more information at bgcbiggs.ca. That's bgcbigs.ca. Folks, folks, what did we do tonight? Oh, I, like, 
shared expletives as soon as that show ended like it was like the credits rolling and i was like oh bleep (laughs) paul paul tell us about the show that we saw uh we saw at northern light theater's uh presentation of the look which was the uh, north american premiere of the show by australian playwright slash screenwriter alexa alexa wyatt um yeah directed by trevor schmidt um a one-woman show starring in this case uh linda grass as marilyn who is um giving a presentation to uh, the Estelle girls, to a group of um, uh, people who will work the makeup counter for this brand. Um, but she sort of starts um, sinking into sort of her own memories of her life doing this in this world or in this industry and in, the, in, in that career and, and, um, and makeup and, and its various permutations as, as what it means and, and doesn't mean. And, um, and it goes from comedy to, to drama um and all of those all of those fun things was that a an apt summary uh, yeah yeah to, yeah, to, to start to start to i would start. say for sure um yeah. linda linda grass in this role i think um is frankly perfectly cast you know she's she's got this sort of like tall statuesque physique she she looks like she is a supermodel never mind was a supermodel at some time like she still is this vibrant vibrant woman although um you know someone a a woman of let's say quote unquote of a certain age um and i think that that is what this play is really trying to examine is um, especially women's beauty, especially, and uh, the, the value of uh, or how that gets viewed as as women do age, and especially with or without the use of cosmetics or you know outside help. <laughs> but more interesting made that she is a woman of a certain age speaking to presumably a room full of women in their prime youth, whatever stage of power and and so there's there's sort of this transfer between this woman of a certain age or let's just say an older woman and and to a woman who has lost the proverbial glow of her youth and is speaking to a presumably a room full of women who are in the middle of their glow and uh talking about how cosmetics gives you power and the way to the way to use that power and the way to to be made powerful through that and and these different looks that you can embody to be powerful and then but (laughs) but slowly cracking through the, mm-hmm. through the through the mode of this performance. Yeah. Uh, so the structure of the show kind of goes through a little bit of these, um, her history as this sort of cover girl. They, they kind of like cycle through these um, visually through the magazine campaigns or cosmetic campaigns that she's done. And they're all, and they're all very themed, right? They're all very themed on sort of like different types of looks, or you could even say different phases of life, not just women's life, but like identities um, that kind of grow through. And, and there's, a, uh, there's a line of view that sort of refers to them as stories where it's like, oh, this is the dark ruin story is like, this is <laughs> this, and it, which sort of ties into that idea of like makeup as a narrative we tell, um, we tell about ourselves and also we tell to the world or, or that the world will interpret based on, based on what they see in, in that look. Mm-hmm. So Paul, I kind of wanted to get a sense of where you came at from this story. What did you think sort of just off the bat um, as someone who I assume has not really delved into cosmetics in their daily life? Um, <laughs> not so much. I've, I've found... Um, wield power <laughs> uh, I, I have found that i i need a good beard shampoo sometimes that is an important part of my my routine um uh and it does make a difference yeah i think um uh an interesting sort of aside uh is that this was a play written in 1992 
Um, so the play itself is is almost thirty years old, um, and uh, and so it's interesting, I guess, to think of it in the context of of, of its age, and also sort of uh, I think they. Um, I was watching. Um, there's a recording that's sort of uh, Trevor Schmidt, the director, talking about the show, uh, and mm-hmm. I was watching a little bit of that right after we um, we finished and and talking about. Yeah, um, uh, there was maybe some a bit of updating that happened to this script, um, sort of uh, between then and now. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think there's uh, it's sort of a discussion that um, that remains, but is sort of changing. I feel uh, from from a certain uh, bit of an outside, but from what I pick up from um, from the world and from the internet, is it's um, this discussion of like there was that sense of like oh this is. Uh, makeup uh, means something. It's about sort of saying something, um, and it still does, of course. But I think um, what we want makeup to say about ourselves is starting to change. Um, some of those sort of like um, older sort of gendered uh, stereotypes about um, what it is to be uh, an idealized version of, of femininity or or masculinity, um, but in this case, femininity. Um, are changing and, and opening up in uh, in interesting and, and important ways, um, and so so it's interesting to see a play that was sort of written uh, at a different time, sort of talking about a lot of those things. Um, uh, I thought Linda uh, Grass uh, was was as you sort of said off the top, perfectly cast in this role um, of this this sales uh, person who's sort of been stuck. Like I think um, so much of this play is about narratives and and the things we tell ourselves, um, and she's sort of. Um, I, uh, what's the word? Um, she's sort of like, I guess, coming to terms with uh, being done with this narrative she's been telling herself, um, whether or not she wants to, um, but she, it's that this narrative is sort of ending for her and she seems uncertain of whether to totally let go of it or um, if she's trying to sort of claw onto a little bit of what's, what could possibly be um, remain of that and what she could stick to. And she seems very, um, the narrative arc of it without giving, um, everything away is sort of like that struggle, that tension between who she has been and who all of these products made her, uh, feel like, and, and, uh, and, uh, embrace and, and who she feels like now and who she wants to be now and, and the opportunities that are allowed or denied her, um, um, in, in the modern part of her, her life. Yeah, and there's and there's in this story there's this very definite hinge of an of being seen mm-hmm. for her. Um not only being seen by number one, a very specific person who validates her, but also just by being seen in general. Um and I think that that is something that uh is is kind of universal to the 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 woman who is aging story a little bit, is that the the ability to be seen not only past a certain age, but frankly, even if you're not wearing makeup, like if you're going out and just sort of like not presenting to the world as someone who wants to be seen or is, is like, you know, like I, I had someone ask me one day when I didn't wear makeup to uh, the school that I was working in, like I didn't wear mascara one day. I was kind of wearing other makeup, but I didn't wear mascara. And he was just kind of like, Oh, are you okay? (laughs) And I was just like, seriously, like, You know, this is this is sort of the thing that um, it's female compliance. Yeah, like you're there is there is a way that um, women present themselves in the world or, or, or feel they have to present themselves in the world, I guess. That is that is being brought into question pretty harshly in the show. Oh, right. yeah. Like 
big feelings when this show ended. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> so like at literally, at literally the end, she looks in a mirror and she says, I don't see anything. I, I don't see anything. Mm-hmm. And so on the backdrop, like the big backdrop behind all of this is they've shown her looks and there's like the palette that they use to do it. And then at the end, they show a picture of her without any makeup and her hair is white and in a braid and, and her. Oh, well, her spoilers. Sorry, is, everyone. Oh, sorry. Well. <laughs> Okay, sorry. And so she's, you know, she's quite bare. And it, from my take, it's actually a really beautiful portrait of her, mm-hmm. um, very in a very natural way. But it's I, the fact that she just goes, "I'm not seen," and I, and I was, you know, I've been reading. And she this, can't even see herself in that. She can't moment. even see herself. And and I was, I've been reading this other book called like Alone or something about women on my own or something about women being alone. And, and the, the woman talks about a story where a friend of hers of a, of a certain age is at a party and she's talking to this man who's the same age as her. And they're having an interesting conversation about something to do with their own careers. And she, she notices that a man looking at her and then suddenly shifting over her shoulder to, to ogle a much younger woman. And it was this, and she notes it. It is this moment in her life where she goes, Oh shit, I better get better skills. Like I'm no, like, the makeup like the quote-unquote makeup thing isn't going to work for me anymore like I mm, there has mm-hmm. to be a shift to to something else in my life and I just I'm watching this show and it sort of made me think of that where it's and again sort of this 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 older woman speaking to younger women and it's I almost was just like oh thank god I figured this out before I was her age like <laughs> Well, what's funny is that they did, they, they adapted the script a little bit. The, when it was originally written, it was for a woman in her thirties. Oh, so this is that, that's just kind of like, you know, just aging out of the twenties. And of course the playwright has um, uh, matured a lot. Alexa Wyatt has, uh, you know, is, is now no longer in her thirties, of course, like she was in 1992. Um, But now the, uh, the play, and I'm not sure if they did this specifically for Northern Light or if they, if it has just been done um, as, as the play sort of aged itself. Um, But now the character is actually written for a woman in her sixties. So, so that's kind of where we meet uh, Marilyn as Linda Grass. And the, the, the structure of the play is that she's giving a talk to the Estelle cosmetics students Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of it's, and it's supposed to be, it's supposed to feel um, didactory. Didactory is this the word? Yes. Thank you. Um, she's supposed to be teaching the girls how to sell Estelle cosmetics, how to sell the idea, how to fulfill this. Yeah. Sell the idea of the cosmetics to the, to, um, to the folks in the department stores. Um, I mean, I could, I could tell a lot of stories about how I worked in the, in the Bay for six years, the Hudson's Bay company. Um, I didn't work in the cosmetics department, but I always remember, I really admired the women in the cosmetics department because I always felt they were really perfect. (laughs) And I was, and I was so not, I was just this like, you know, kind of like (laughs) ratty teenager who works in in menswear, in menswear or jewelry. (laughs) But the women who worked in cosmetics, they were actually kind of career women. 
Um, you know, they had a uniform, they had, they had a definite job to do. They never leaned on the counters. And they know a lot. Yeah. And they knew how to make people feel good about themselves, which was kind of the crux of what Marilyn was trying to, um, I, I think teach to her students, right. Is that she, she's just kind of like, this is what makeup is supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make people feel good about um, not only how they look, but about how we can make them look. And, you know, I... Well, there's a line in it where she says, isn't a tube of lipstick cheaper than therapy? Yeah. (laughs) So why focus on yourself when you can just throw a shade of lipstick on, right? Right. (laughs) Well, and I think that just the fact that if I didn't know that it was originally written for a 30-year-old and the fact that it is written for a 60-year-old, I think makes it a far more scary piece because I think at least in our modern culture, I I would think that a 30 year old, there's a lot more room and time to pivot in one's life. Whereas I think at 60, maybe less time to pivot. I don't know. I, because sort of the message at the end is that, well, okay, spoiler alert, I guess, is that she doesn't see herself. And, and so the message to young women would be that you're more than just your face and the look that men create for you. And she has this whole narrative about one of the photos. I mean, it's super creepy, but one of the photos that this, this, this man, that this man that she um, has become sort of the, the protege of takes pictures of her with her teddy bear and she calls him daddy. And it's mm. like, you know, it's this really predatory bent on, on, on all this stuff. And so you get the sense she got swept up very young and told what she should be and how she should look and the, and the roles that she should play in the world. And, and no one gave her a voice and, and and not until 60 is she realizing that she should have had a voice and, and, and figured that out for herself. And that, to, I don't know. I mean, fine. I'm in my mid thirties, but like, that is a scary prospect to me of waking up in my sixties and not knowing where to go. So, mm-hmm. cause I think, I think frankly in our society, unless women have developed a sort of going back to the, the quote I was talking about before with a woman who realizes the man, her own age, ogling somebody else much younger than her and goes, Oh, I better get new skills. Like, to get to that Mm -hmm. phase in your life and not have developed any others I think that would be very scary anyway I was fucking scared at the end of that piece well I think one of the other things that really that bothered me a little bit about it was that um you know she had this kind of scene where she was talking about uh understanding the theory of relativity and that she could recite it and that she could you know and she and she understood what it meant um and that and that it didn't seem like it was really worth it or or that uh, it meant anything to bring up or that people would recognize that it meant anything about her that was kind of that was a little bit heartbreaking and i thought that like <sighs> Colleen, I like wearing makeup. Paul, I like wearing makeup. You know, like like I like I actually from from a young age when I was coming up in dance and things like that, makeup was actually something to play with and to have fun with. Um, and it wasn't something I had to do, but just something I liked. And same with fun clothing. Yeah. So it didn't I I've I feel I, I in some ways I feel like it didn't start threatening my identity until I became an uh like an not an older woman. I don't want to call myself an older woman yet, but like um, an adult and that people thought that me not wearing makeup was weird. Mm. Um, and that's when it started becoming a problem. Mm, that's um, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, um, Paul, I guess, um, and both of you, I, I want to ask a little bit about, so we watched this all online. We, mm-hmm. we watched it together in real time, I guess it wasn't live. Um, but, um, 
I mean, how did you feel about watching this, knowing that it wasn't a film really that was made? They did do some filmic sort of tricks, um, but what what was it? What was watching this on on a on a screen like for you, as opposed to knowing that we normally, in normal cases, would have been in a theater watching this uh, woman on stage doing this for us? I I I it took me a couple of minutes to be like oh, it's a theater piece, but it's not a film piece. It took me a couple of minutes to just get into it, I think, because 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 it's on a screen, you're just sort of expecting, you know, sort of movie or, or, or television um, tactics, right? But, but it's just, you know, so it took me a while to get into it, but I really liked the like mad scientist moves when she was doing the makeup, when she was talking mm-hmm. about the, because it was theatrical, but it was still filmed mm-hmm. and, and and it wasn't something you probably could have easily done on a stage so I appreciated that they were using the medium that they had adopted in a really theatrical way sort of this mad scientist doing her makeup from the background in a silhouette so I really liked that um, aspect of it but but yeah like it sort of felt like it sort of walked the line between both but I will say I look forward to being in a theater again. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's funny you bring up that specific part, her sort of transformations, because there are those, yeah, these uh, throughout the show, she will sort of give herself a new look and um, the camera shifts. Um, there's It's a multi-camera setup, but one shifts to behind her. So we sort of see the stage lights and her her arms and the table of, of um, products and sort of her working and we hear some sound effects um uh, and her voice talking and then sort of the look is revealed we have this sort of like five to ten seconds later we see the the outcome uh, i did find myself wondering how those segments would have been different if there was just um if we were all in the theater um because a few of them seem difficult to achieve in the speed that they happened in this film um, which is great. That's the the perks of making a film uh, is you can you can do that and you can jump ahead in in that way. But I, I'm interested. The theater going part of me is like I wonder what that would have looked like. Um, as do we all, I suppose. Um, yeah. But yeah. I thought they had you know they uh, it was uh, you know it was high quality. Um, it wasn't like watching if you've ever watched just like archival theater footage. It's it's a rough go. You really got to have a reason to be watching it. Um, partly because of sound. Sound is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, Linda, the actress, was uh, the actor was uh, was miked. There's a very funny um, bit early on, and maybe like the first fifteen minutes, where she's not sure if her her microphone's working, and there's like an extended bit of her like uh, it making microphone sounds as she like pulls it and lowers it down her dress and checks it and adjusts it and tries to get it back up her dress and clip it back on. Um, uh, so I think, um, I think given the con- the confines of like, you know, I'm sure, you know, when they, when this season was booked and even, even a couple months ago, I'm sure they weren't sure if they were going to be able to do this in person or not. Um, Cause I believe Northern lights first show of the season was in person um, under sort of very specific pandemic restrictions uh, to make it safer. Um, but this one obviously was not. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's a delicate balance to have to walk. And I think they did like the best possible job you could in those confines, in that timeline um, to be able to, to make it look as good as it did. The camera work was all very good. It was um, done by Ian Jackson. Um, 
and and yeah, they they played with it. Um, in in some ways, there were close ups for some comedy moments. There's sort of a close up when an, like a, a nail flicks off. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the close up moments of the nail and the eyelash, like we wouldn't have seen that on stage. I thought sure. that was great. Yeah. Yeah. So they found a few places to sort of bend that and lean into the film aspect. Um, uh, more than more than just we are filming the the play we we had intended the end. Um, they did they put in a lot of effort to make it um, feel and sound and look um, as high quality as I think they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think that the costume design also lent really well to it to her changing through these different um, campaign stories that she goes through, and I loved absolutely love the way that they animated the different campaigns. Uh, the makeup was all done by Kendra Humphrey, um, photographed by Ian Jackson. Um, it just took you through so many different looks that Linda Grass can achieve. And it was, it was frankly um, lovely and incredible. And, and one of kind of, I think the delightful things about the show that may carry on from even an onstage production to the film production, I think that they still would have done the same, um, those same things for, uh, like the true stage production, just to kind of show the trajectory of this artist that you see finally on the stage. Um, and, and frankly, I was so questioning the way that they made her appear, in the show with that sort of like very black cropped wig um, with very high short bangs and everything like that. And then it it made sense in the end because it's such a contrast to her true actual look. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did, I was just like, why did they make her, why did they put her in such a severe look for the entire show? I figured it was a nod to Anna Wintour. Yeah, like, but Anna Wintour, like, I mean, even Anna Wintour has, like, a softness to her. But you know what I also loved is the fact that they still use the fourth wall in the sense that there was always this Jacques character that was coming, Mm -hmm. right? And so... So they still very much had the the setup of that she's on the stage. He'd have been at the back of the house, I imagine, coming mm-hmm. in. And then you hear a, a door slam elsewhere. So they didn't pretend that they were in a room without an audience. And yes, she was giving a presentation to to other girls, but she was still speaking to a fourth wall. Like and it, yeah, and there was sort of like, like a there wasn't chi- a pretension that they were pretending to be in a film. Like they were in a house. Yeah, there and there was sort of like in the sound design a small chatter of recognizing that there was an audience watching her. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there were things that were very funny that happened in the show, like the nail breaking and, yeah. and you know, things like that, that where it would have gotten a very big laugh. But of course we didn't hear it. We just got to kind of sit at home and, and try and swat the dog away from, from the TV or the snacks. <laughs> Cause these are, these are things that happen also while you are trying to watch a show in a non-closed controlled environment of a theater. I miss that crash. <laughs> I've, I've watched a few things online, um, you know, trying to just like really kind of dig into like the experience of a show. And I think the experience, the intimate experience of a one person show, I want the lights to turn off. I want to be in a black box with them and I want the world to go away. Um, and even in, in your home, if you live alone and you have a solo friend visiting or, or you have a dog, even frankly, that can kind of be difficult and it's not it's still not like sitting in a theater um so that's fun is this because i had a snack 
No, it's because my two dogs are ridiculous. <laughs> it's one of those things where, um, I mean, yeah, being in a theater, uh, like there are there are quote unquote rules. Like there's sort of like this like so, so social contract of being in a theater that doesn't exist uh, when you're just in your house, um, and that's that's just what it is. Um, like you could put your phone in another room and turn off all the lights, um, but you could still wander out. You could pause. Um, you know, you, when you, um, in this particular case, and with a lot of sort of online things, you have sort of a window of time to watch it in. So you could take a break, you could double check a line you misheard, like you can, you can do all these things, um, that you can't do in a theater. Uh, that's, that's just what it is yeah, <laughs> right yeah. now. Um, but yeah, this, this felt, um, to me, it was a night in, in some ways it was a nice reminder of like, oh yeah, I, these are the things I will appreciate about being back in a theater. Um, yeah. But I think they, I think they did uh, as good as they could with the confines um, they were in. Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I really appreciate, like, appreciated the momentum of the show. It was, it was just about an hour long. You, it, it, it clipped along in a way. There were funny moments. There were kind of really tough moments, dramatic moments. And then in the, in, in the end, you know, I'm sitting there in tears, just understanding feeling, and, feelings. And, and feeling all the things. Um, I think Linda Grass is really just fantastic in this role. Personally, I have always wanted to see Linda in a Patsy Stone sort of role. Um, <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone knows who Patsy Stone is, uh, Patsy is the, um, you know, tall blonde friend to Adina and absolutely fabulous that um, is actually a former fashion model and magazine cover girl um, in Turned executive. <laughs> turned fake executive. Patsy made see, Patsy made it to the role that Marilyn wanted. Well, yeah, she probably blackmailed Jacques. I, as a young person on the on the Edmonton theater scene, seeing Linda Grass as this like tall blonde drink of water, you know, like I I always just like, oh man, she would be the greatest Patsy Stone. <laughs> Uh, and, and she, and she was in this, in this role, except that you see, you see the dark side, the dark end of what Patsy Stone and that life, uh, can turn into. And, um, God, if I could wear a scarf like that, like a scarf twice your, twice the length of one's body. Um, just, and, that, wow. and that's how Isadora Duncan died. Yes. <laughs> Dance legend, dance legend. Yeah, <laughs> um, but th- I think that is really uh, that's sort of a really interesting point. And like in her relationship with um, the founder of this cosmetics company, who she met when she was a teenager, and she was the first of these sort of cover models for this brand. Um, and they have this uh, intimate relationship, um, which they, like the details of which are actually vague. But they've known each other, you know, their whole careers, and you know, she's a struggling with what feels like the end of hers um there's a part where she uh, near the end where she uh she is attempting to sort of get a uh, a different role within this company other than the one she has without sort of saying more about it than that uh whereas this guy is still cruising as the you know the the ceo of this um this company or the guy who's running it um you know and there's a line early on in in the show that talks about like isn't it um uh, where she notes like as a joke to to us the audience of just like um isn't it funny how makeup companies are all 
all run by men. They're created by women and they're sort of taken over by men. Um, and then that is sort of what plays out for her. She's sort of has this career. She has all this experience in this world. She knows it intimately. Um, and yet her career in it sort of has a finite stop, it seems. And, and his does not. Um, and even though their sort of relationship and their, um, even their business was sort of linked together, uh, by each other, um, she's the one who's sort of left struggling at the end of it. Um, yeah. No, not, yeah. No, no matter the, um, intellect and everything that she has actually provided to the idea of the business and to the trajectory of it, she is mm-hmm. still just the face, like the, the actual aesthetic of it. Um, whereas he is sort of the kind of like brains and means holding all the reins. Yeah. yeah. I don't know it was created by his mother. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Interpreted as a nod to an Estee Lauder, I assume, but yeah, very possible. I mean, and like, was a was a fun cameo of Leona Browsen as sort of a projected yeah. image of this, this figure. And one of her fabulous hats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leona Browsen is just kind of like an incredible like force of the um, costume and makeup scene. Actually, she was one of the recent recipients of the um, Edmonton Artist Trust Fund. Actually, I mean, and I have to also note that Leona Bronson has been has been that person and that icon in the arts community like since I was ten. <laughs> <laughs> and I am now a woman of a certain age. <laughs> go there we're not gonna go there yet i already, I already <laughs> said how old i was That's we're not I mean. you said you were mid-30s i am you until were, thursday until thursday when you become officially late 30s <laughs> <laughs> anyway so um okay well do we have anything else to add any any closing notes on the show folks totally worth watching i actually it was very hard yeah so for the first like two minutes you're like oh i'm watching a video of a play and then you forget all about it and i totally got wrapped in it was great mm-hmm. yeah i think it was a compelling version of 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 this the show a compelling production of it um that was shot again sort of uh under the confines of our current situation um, uh, quite effectively. Uh, There was one line I really liked um, early on, I think, um, that was like, can you be trusted to tell the truth with um, a lipstick and a powder brush? And I think there's so much there because it's sort of, with this character's point of view, it's sort of intended in this one way of like, oh, you... Uh, you these counter these counter people um the people who are working this makeup counter um uh, need to be uh you know this uh, sort of what fonda you were talking about earlier is sort of well put together and 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 that but i think it's really interesting to especially in the context of today to think about like what does that mean um you know uh, when this play was written in 1992 um this sort of culture it was uh taking aim at and trying to comment on uh, that meant a very specific thing to tell the truth in quotes um with a lipstick and a powder brush and mm. i don't think that means the same thing today um, but there's still that struggle i agree and i think i know we're in ending notes but i think too that like the idea of a cover girl in 1992 was a far more homogenous idea whereas now you have all these instagram makeup artists doing like god knows what and i was i was watching like the social this week and they were talking about a new trend in makeup where beautiful young white women are actually drawing on uh under eye bags like red brown bags under their eyes like apparently it's a new makeup trend like the uh, white hair was like like a year ago oh god yeah like 20 year old <laughs> beautiful white 20 year old women are pretending to be 
women with white hair and bags under their eyes. Like, like I have been trying to avoid <laughs> for yeah. my entire life. Oh my God, right? what? So <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like um, with the internet, um, uh, it's which is such a broad and, and damning thing to open any sentence with, but like um, the the same like controlling forces of makeup and beauty um, don't have that same control. Of course, there are still, you know, million dollar campaigns that are very effective at getting the message they want to get across across. Um, but there are things that um, the internet that go become very popular on the internet that do so organically um, or for totally different reasons um, than, than selling like a, a magazine or, or what would have been a lot of these previous reasons. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just interesting to think in the context of, of then and now, um, um, how those conversations are, are changing, hopefully, um, to be like, in short, do what you want to do and what makes you feel good. Um, whether that's no makeup or whether that's a ton of makeup, that's, that's up to you. Um, if that's what makes you happy. Um, and, and yeah, I think, uh, when this play was written and some of the ideas in it are, are about sort of the other side of that. And that's sort of like, um, what happens when you let other people tell you what to do and how to be happy and, and the struggles that come with that. Yeah. And in an interesting way, I think that the play has maybe in, in some way aged along with the character um, mm. because in this day that, that 60 year old would actually still not be that same person who had been a cover girl and all. And, and like we, like with Instagram, with the, with the actual social media landscape right now, even with the way that you actually probably would be teaching makeup artists right now and how to share their things and how to promote themselves and promote what they're doing. Like it, it would be a completely different world than what, in some way gets presented in the play. So I kind of appreciate the the play is, I don't want to say that it's a little bit of a time capsule, but um, I think that it really does accurately um, and interestingly present um, a woman of of that age and, and where she is now. And, and, and <laughs> frankly, you know, where like, we're like, I don't know where someone like, even like my mom is, you know, and, and my grandmother was an Avon lady. Okay. So my, my mom, um, you know, growing up and everything like that, she had a lot of exposure to cosmetic products and things like that. And, and just knowing, um, how she felt about them and that they were just kind of like around and accessible and, and, and things like that. And that she knew how to do like her own color palette test and then things like that. Right. Like, ah, man. Okay. No, we're like, we should probably stop. <laughs> no, but I also just like last, like I also, my own experience with like an actual makeup lady, like a makeup counter lady mm -hmm. has only ever been about skincare. It's never been about lipstick, eyeshadow, mascara. Right. Mm -hmm. It's only ever been about, um, either from starting off in acne to then mm -hmm. like aging prevention. Like I've just never consulted a woman behind a counter to talk about lipstick, eyeshadow. It's about co colors. It's right? about skin health as opposed to colors and, and performance. Mm -hmm. So whereas the performance aspect was always me with my girlfriends after a trip to First Shoppers Drug Mart and now Sephora or Mac mm -hmm. getting ready for a party or, 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 or backstage getting ready to go on stage. Or, like we should try right, this yeah. in a theater setting. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting that it's just, I've, I've never I've never actually encountered a 
uh, a, a makeup counter lady who was ever going to put lipstick on for me. It's just not part of my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Anyway, okay. sorry. We digress. S- s- sidetrack. <laughs> well, everyone, that was the look uh, presented by Northern Light Theater. It is running until January 31st. You can catch it online. Uh, we will share the link in the show notes. Paul? What else do we have running um, in the next little while that we can share about? I I mean, of course, everything's online, but. Right, right. Um, But there are things happening. People are doing stuff on the internet.com. Also coming up uh, is the situation we find ourselves. The situation we find ourselves in is this, which is uh, playing for one night only on January 30th. It is free. Uh, It is a collaboration i believe between daniel mciver and uh, edmonton playwright uh, matthew mckenzie um yeah that's a thing that's happening check it out yeah and also because we like trees our our forestry family um endures nathan fillion um has recently provided the narration for a delightful new virtual forest tour provided by um alberta forest products association and um so you can learn about all of the different types of forests the different ages of forest and stages of forest um and that's at vrloveabforests.com uh metro cinema is running an online retrospective of the films of Wong Kar Wai until February 19th. If you want a great earworm to start, um, watch Chung King Express and you'll get some of the mamas and the papas in there. And it is so good. Right. (laughs) Uh, okay, our friend Tim McCoola continues to add to his collection of paintings for sale at Ableg Gift Shop or Alber- Alberta Legislature Gift Shop. We'll, of course, share the link for that. Um, he's painting ty- uh, he's painting Alberta political faces in surrealistic, absurd ways, and it is awesome. Uh, some of the most uh, interesting recent works include Jason Kenney feeding Alberta's money into a grabby little dumpster fire. And the United Conservative Party getting married to a coffin full of nickels by a slot machine in the neon pandemic fever dream of a casino. These are all also for sale and you can support Tim McCoola at albertalegegiftshop.com. And do read the descriptions. Um, That is half of the joy of his pieces of work. Um, The the writing, the right, the descriptive writings are, are mostly the piece. Um, Well, not mostly. They are, they are a, a, a fair half of the piece, for sure. They're incredible. Um, Theater Network is running a book club for plays, uh, which is a monthly online meetup where audiences can discuss, discuss Canadian plays with Edmonton playwrights. January's selection is uh, Michelle Tremblay's Hosanna, uh, and the discussion of which is being led by Darren Hagen, who did sound on The Look uh, that we just watched. Uh, and that, uh, that book club is happening on January 31st. Mm-hmm. Of Colleen, uh, one of the plays that we were in in high school was a Michel Tremblay play, wasn't it? Uh, Marcel Pursue by the Hounds? Oh, yeah. Marcel oh, Pursue. Right. Well, and Darren Hagen just got some appointment. He was just appointed as something. Exciting. As the McEwen Writer in Residence, McEwen uh, yeah. University Writer in Residence. There is an exhibit that, it, uh, a costume exhibit and visual art exhibit that is going to be, um, that he's going to be contributing to. And of course, as Writer in Residence, he'll be. Um, um, helping writers in the public too uh, while he is there um, with his year and tenure. But will he be playing an accordion? Um, I believe that he is actually donating his mermaid tail from one of his plays to 
an exhibit at the, um, what is it? The Mitchell Art Gallery in the new McEwen building. If you want to catch more um, arts info in Edmonton, I would encourage you to subscribe to the Taproot Arts Roundup, which I write every week. And it um, has lots of these things in it as well. Cool. I think that's it for now. Yeah. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Colleen. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you get to a chance to see the look. You can, again, catch it until January 31st at Northern Light Theater. Um, well, so, and otherwise, you know, go watch some shows, everyone, from the safety of your home Wi-Fi. Get to your couch. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Episodes are produced by Fonda Mithrush and Paul Blinov. We are recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Series art by Michael Nunweiler. Technical support by Andrew Paul. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you value independent, local arts coverage please consider supporting us on Patreon or leaving us a review on your podcatcher. Find out more at idontgetityeg.com.